You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 25, we started last week, and this is a, a word of warning from Jeremiah to the king of Judah. The king is Jehoiakim. And we started last week, of course, we told you that Jehoiakim had a good father. His father was Josiah, but he failed to listen uh, to his father. He failed to listen to the prophet Jeremiah. And so in this chapter, God gives Jeremiah the prophecy, the message, that they would go into captivity. They would go into Babylonian captivity, and they would be there for how many years? Anybody remember? 70 years. See, that's a long time. Oh, you better believe it. That's not a, a slap on the, on the hand. That's, that's punishment. That's judgment. And do you remember last week we, we showed you from Leviticus? We showed you why it was 70 years. Because for 490 years, God's people got lax. They just got careless. They didn't think that what God said he really meant. He told them, he said, listen, when you go into the land of Canaan that I've promised you, you can, you can uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? You can till, you can plant. You can tell I'm a farmer. There have, those hard words there got me. Uh, you, you can plant, uh, you can work the fields for six years. But on the seventh year, that is the Sabbath of rest for the land. And on that seventh year, you let it rest. And God promised, by the way, uh, remember what happened with the manna when the children of Israel were in the wilderness? God said, you gather up on those six days, and on that sixth day, you gather enough for the seventh day, but there's not going to be manna coming on the seventh day. It's a day of rest. And can I tell you, when, when we do it God's way, it's amazing to me how God takes care of it all. You say, that doesn't make sense. How could you get more out of your fields in six years than you could in seven years? Well, uh, I hate to talk about food right now because I'm already hungry, but you ask Chick-fil-A. You ask Chick-fil-A how they've been so successful in business being open six days a week and being closed on the busiest day of the week for restaurants and fast food and all that. You ask them. I'll tell you, there's, there's only one logical explanation and that is God blesses obedience and you honor God and he's going to honor you. I, I was talking to somebody this last week. We have a, a sweet couple that uh, they're talking about. They'd like to join and they'll be probably joining here soon. But uh, we we're talking about it and they said, uh, we want to know about giving. We want to know about that. And I said, well, of course, I said, the tithe, 10%, that belongs to God. Uh, that's not up for debate. That's not what you think or I think. That's just what God God requires that belongs to him but I pref but then I, I went on to say it like this I said but I want you to understand that that's the starting point God talks about beyond the tithe God talks about giving and, and you say well why would I give more than 10% well the 10% that's duty that's required that is obedience why would you give more than 10% uh, because God's been very good to us because God's blessed us, because we love him, because we're, we want to show our love and all that. And, and, and I explained to him, I said, I'll tell you this, 
I said, you get to the end of the year and it, it, there's, there's times where it doesn't make sense. And some of you that you've been tithing and giving above and beyond for years and years, you could testify, we could be here all night. You can't explain it except God blesses obedience. You do it God's way, God has promised he will bless you for it. That was uh, a long explanation of the um, 70 years captivity. But anyway, we talked about uh, that last week. I want to pick up in verse number 15. And I want you to see how God tells them they're going into captivity. And in verse number 15, God tells his people. He says that he is angry. God is, his fury and his wrath are getting ready to be poured out on his people. And you say, well, I don't believe that God could do anything like that because God is so, so loving. God is so kind and God is so gracious and I would say amen to all of those. But I also want to remind you that God is holy and God is just and God's love does not cancel out his holiness and his holiness does not cancel out his love. God is a holy God. In verse 15, thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me, take the wine cup of this fury at my hand and cause all the nations to whom I will send thee to drink it. Verse 16, and they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then took I the cup of the Lord's hand at the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. Lord, would you speak to us and give us what we need from your word tonight? We pray your blessing upon the preaching of your word. I pray your blessing upon the uh, children's ministries, the teen ministry. And Lord, I pray that we would not miss what you have for us from the Bible tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. After God punished Judah, verse number uh, uh, 15, we're, we're there about the wrath. After God had said he would judge his people for 70 years, God said he would also punish all the nations. And we'll see that in these coming verses. Verse number 13, God says, and I will bring upon that land, that's the, the land of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, all my words, which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all the nations. Verse 14, for many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also. And I will recompense or I will repay them according to their deeds and according to the works of their own hands. I want you to see a couple things here. Number one, I want you to see in verse 13. God makes a point to say that he's going to judge the nations based upon all of his words. Now that's important because did you know... <clears throat> What is important in the Bible is all of it, everything. If it was not important, God would not have given it to us. Uh, what does it say in 2 Timothy 3.16? Some scripture is given by inspiration of God. Is that what it says? No, it says most scripture, right? Most of it. Or here we go, the things that you like, right? The things that we like. Boy, that's the, that's the stuff that God really, you know, he, he said. No, it's not what it says. It says all scripture 
is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. Did you know every page in this Bible is beneficial because it's God's words to you? Now, let's, let's, let's think about this. We sometimes, <clears throat> maybe at work, uh, maybe you've got some policies or maybe you've got some procedures that are in the manual, but nobody cares and nobody follows them and nobody has done it that way forever. And you're like, yeah, well, this is what it says, but we don't do that. Sometimes I think we take that attitude with the Bible and we think, well, I know the Bible says it or I heard the Bible say that or I heard the preacher preach that, but that's not really a big deal. Case in point, <laughs> the Sabbaths of the land. The children of Israel didn't think that was a big deal, obviously, because they didn't obey it. But guess what they found out? When God said, you're going into captivity for 70 years, they found out, oh, we're responsible. When my wife and I, when we worked at uh, Golden State Baptist College, and when we were in college, this happened too, but when we were in college, we would pass out, beginning of the, the school year, we would pass out the handbook. The handbook, you say, what was that? <clears throat> the handbook had all of the rules and it had the academic guidelines, financial guidelines. It had the rules for the dormitories, it had rules for attendance. It had all of the rules. Now, back in the day when we were in college, brother Dan and I and some of us in this room, when we were in college, back in the day, that rule book was very, very small. It's amazing over time how that grew. You say, why did it grow? because of people like us, you know, that there became more rules because we did crazy things they never thought we would do. And so the rule, rule book gets not that big, wasn't the phone book, but it was bigger. And they, we pass out that handbook and we would pass out a form. It says, you've got this week to read the handbook and to sign this form to say, I have read the handbook. I have understood the handbook. And I agree to abide by the handbook because you know what students would say otherwise? I didn't know that was a rule. Nobody told me. You, you know how I know that? Because I did that in college. You know, oh, I didn't know that, you know. And well, guess what? You had to read the handbook and you had to know what the handbook said because that was the way you were going to make it through college. Well, I don't have a form to pass out tonight and God doesn't give us a form to make sure we read the Bible and that we sign that we've read it. But I'll tell you this, we're all responsible for it. And you say, well, why are we responsible for it? Because God gave it to us. And everyone in this room has a copy of the Bible. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, we'll get you one. Many of us have multiple copies of the Bible, but many times we don't read it. And many times we don't even know what it says because we, we come to church and we, we say, well, the preachers, well, I'll tell you, I haven't preached through the whole Bible yet in case you haven't figured it out. That's why we take it home. That's why we read it. That's why we study it. That's why we must be responsible for what it says because, are you ready for this? Someday we will stand before God and we will give an account for what he has told us that we were supposed to do. So all of the words are important. Paul told the uh, Christians in Acts 20, he said, I have not, I have not uh, uh, held back in preaching to you 
all the counsel of God. Now, it's fun. It's fun to preach about heaven. It's fun to preach about the goodness of God and the grace of God, but we also have to preach against sin. We also have to preach against unrighteousness, and we also have to preach against some things that people may not like. But can I tell you, if it's in the Bible, it's important. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We're responsible for it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word of this book is important and it is necessary. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to say, well, this is true because I like it or this is true because this is popular in our culture. Oh no, it's all true. Whether it's in season or out of season, it's true and we must live by it. Notice with me verse number 14. Jeremiah says, for many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also, and I will recompense them. Doesn't matter how great the kings were. Doesn't matter how powerful they thought they were. Doesn't matter how big their armies were. God says they will be judged by the words of these commandments. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelation 20. We'll come back to Jeremiah 25. But it says in this passage that they would be recompensed according to the works of their own hands. I want you to see in Revelation 20. The Bible tells us that we are saved. Here, here's, here's trivia here, okay? We are saved by works or we are saved by grace. Which one? We're saved by grace, and aren't you glad for that? Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. If we were, if we were uh, counting on our works, none of us would ever be saved because we all come short. But the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we went to heaven, if we got to heaven because we were good, then we would have reason to brag. We would have reason to, 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 to lift ourselves up and say, well, I'm better than you because I'm going to heaven because I'm, I, I did all these things and you did. No, no, no. None of us are saved by works. But I want you to see in Revelation chapter 20 and verses 11 through 15, I want you to see that there will be judgments given according to works. And I want you to understand this because sometimes I think there's... Uh, some people that misunderstand or they'll take this and say, there it is. See, we're saved by our works. No, no, no. We're not saved by our works. Let's see what it says in Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. Now that right there, that's a judgment. That is a judgment that will take place. At the great white throne judgment, everyone that stands before that judgment is lost. Everybody at that judgment is unsaved, so we need to understand that. Everybody that stands at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, everybody that stands at that judgment is saved. So we need to understand the judgment that we're, we're talking about here. Great white throne here in Revelation 20, that's unsaved. Uh, judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, that is the saved or those who know the Lord. So this is the judgment of the unsaved, and it says in verse 11, I saw a great white throne, 
and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. I'll tell you what I believe one of those books is going to be. I believe it's going to be this book right here. I believe this book is going to be opened and say, uh, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why didn't you do that? Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why didn't you do what I told you? It's so simple. Why didn't you accept the gift? I believe this will be one of the books that will be opened. We'll be judged by this. But then it says there's another book that's opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their, what's the word? Works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. So, well, Pastor, I thought you just said that we don't get saved by works. That's exactly what I said. And we don't get saved by our works. But at the great white throne judgment, every lost person, and every person at the great white throne will be lost, but every person at that judgment will be judged according to their works. Say, well, well, why? Well, what's the purpose of that? Well, because verse number 14, it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So how do you get thrown into the lake of fire? One reason. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. You have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have not accepted the gift of eternal life. That is the only thing that determines whether you go to heaven or you go to hell. But your name's not in that book. The Bible says there will be other books that will be opened and the lost will be judged out of those books. I believe, I'm not going to argue with you, and if you have a different opinion or whatever, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you, but I'm not going to argue with you about it. But I believe that in that lake of fire, I believe there will be different levels or different degrees of punishment for people based upon their works. Just like, we won't turn there right now, but did you know the saved? Those that have accepted Christ, we will be judged according to our works. Not whether or not we go to heaven or not, that's all settled at salvation. But we will be judged according to our works and that will determine the level or the degree of reward. The Bible says there are crowns that not everybody's gonna get them, by the way. Some people, they'll be, they'll be saved so as by fire. They'll make it uh, into heaven because they got saved, but they did nothing for God. They didn't serve God. They didn't live for God. They didn't do any of those things. And yes, they'll be in heaven and praise God for that. Salvation is by grace. But can I tell you, once we get saved, there ought to be motivation to live for God. 
There ought to be motivation to serve God, to think that we could show God our love and thanks and appreciation for all that he's done for us, not to earn our way to heaven, not to, you know, well, I'll do 50% of the work and God does the other. Oh no, salvation is 100% grace, 0% works. But once we get saved, we ought to have a desire to do all we can to serve God. And I want us to understand, because in verse number, uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 14, the Bible says, says that the nations will be judged according to their works. God was keeping track. Did you know God's keeping track today? Did you know nobody's getting away with anything? Uh, you, you look at and you read some of the news stories today and you think, first of all, you think people have lost their minds. I mean, people are crazy. And some, there are some people out there, they're not just crazy, they're wicked. They are vile. They are ungodly. Can I tell you, none of that, nobody's getting away with anything. God is keeping track. But can I tell you, let's not forget that such were some of you. Except by the grace of God, that could be us. But we've been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been sanctified by the precious blood of Jesus. Verse number 15, this is where we started. And I want to get back to this. Verse number 15, God tells Jeremiah that he is ready to pour out his wrath upon the nations. He calls it the wine cup of his fury. Now, I know we're flipping back and forth. I want you to look at Revelation 14, please. Revelation 14. <clears throat> now, we're going somewhere with this, so just hang on. This is not just, oh, that's kind of interesting. I, I want you to see something. Revelation 14 and verse number 10. This is talking about those who receive the mark of the beast. <laughs> well, we're hearing a lot of talk about that these days, are we not? And I'm telling you, say, I'm, I'm scared to death. You're, maybe some of you are watching or listening tonight, and you say, all this talk of the mark of the beast and all this talk of, you know, this microchip and all that. I am scared to death. What are we going to do? You don't have to do anything. We're out of here. Now, yeah, if you don't know the Lord, you got to do something. But if you're saved, these kinds of things, they ought to get you fired up in a good way. That'll get you excited to think that things are coming together. It's, it, I'll, I'll preach about that one of these Sundays. But just all of the prophecies... I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back in 2020, but I'll say this, it wouldn't surprise me if he came back tonight. And it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he came back in this, in this year because we're so close. I, I just believe it. I believe he's coming back and I believe it soon. But notice in verse number 15, the, uh, excuse me, verse number uh, 10, it says, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Say, Pastor, what's this talking about? This is talking about people who reject Jesus Christ 
and they accept the mark of the beast, they worship Satan, and they are lost, and God says, I will pour out my wrath on them like you would pour out a cup. Very, very, very serious. Uh, God's not messing around here. God's not mincing words. Notice Revelation 16, please, verse number 9. excuse me, 1619. 1619, it says, And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us these verses here? Well, a couple reasons. I want you to know that the wrath of God is not just an Old Testament doctrine. The wrath of God is New Testament. Uh, as a matter of fact, Hebrews 10, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Matthew 3, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. We see the wrath of God not just in the Old Testament, but we see it in the New Testament. You say, well, is God still angry with the wicked? Is, does God still have wrath built up towards sin? You better believe it. And I'll tell you what, I believe it's only because of the mercy of God that we've not seen it even worse in our country. When you look at how sin is promoted and you look at how uh, the, the homosexual lifestyle is applauded and flaunted, and you look at now, nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, um, most people in one political party, most people are not ashamed at all anymore that babies are being murdered in the mother's womb. Say, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't call it that, Pastor, anymore. That's not, that's not the terminology. We call that pro-choice. I'll tell you what God calls it. Calls it murder. Calls it sin. And can I tell you, it's a miracle that we've not seen the wrath of God poured out even more. Uh, this last week, we had in the state of North Carolina, we had a hurricane, we had tornadoes, we had an earthquake. Uh, the Midwest, if you heard, I was talking to Brother Dale, we were talking about that right before the service. The Midwest had a storm like they haven't seen in a long time with 100 mile an hour winds stretching all the way across the Midwest of the United States. Uh, we've got cities that are, are burning from rioters and looters and, 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 and the wickedness that's going on. And you don't think we're experiencing some judgment of God? Friend, I think we are. But I want you to notice, although God has a, uh, a, a collection, I'll, I'll say that, God has wrath that is stored up. He has wrath that He is ready to pour out. I want you to know that when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, remember that prayer that He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. So what was he talking about? He was talking about this right here. The cup of the wrath 
of the fierceness of God's anger that he, Jesus, the Son of God, was getting ready to drink for all of mankind. Do you know what he said? He said, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He said, I'm willing to drink it. I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to take upon myself the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. And I'm willing to have all of that wrath and all of that judgment poured out on me so that they don't have to experience it. And friend, that's what you and I got when we got salvation. We got an escape from the judgment of God. We got an escape from the lake of fire where God's wrath and torment will be poured out on the unsaved and the wicked and the abominable for all of eternity. Aren't you glad that Jesus endured the wrath of God for you and me? Aren't you glad that he loved you so much and he loved me so much that he said, you don't have to experience it, I'll experience it for you. Hallelujah. He took that cup and he drank it in your place. Hallelujah. Notice verse number uh, 16. Go back to Jeremiah 25. I, we're almost out of time, but I want you to see one other thing here. I don't know about you, but that kind of helped me just uh, being reminded of that truth, the, the wrath of God being poured out. But Jesus said, nope, I'll take it. I'll step in and I'll take the punishment for him. I'm glad he took my place. Hallelujah. Notice verse number uh, 16. And they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. The sword is another picture of God's judgment. Remember when David sinned, obviously he had the sin against uh, sin with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed and he covered his sin and all of that. But you remember when David later in life, remember when he made that mistake and he sinned and he commanded his general, he commanded him to go and to number the people. You remember that? And you know, again, you think and we think sometimes that the, all the Bible is not important. It is. God judged David and he judged the entire nation of Israel because David did something he thought was not a big deal, but God said, don't do it. And David did it anyway, and he numbered the people. Um, uh, was it Joab that said, no, 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 you don't want to do this? And David, oh, no, it's fine. And he did it. And when he did it, the prophet came to David and he said, you've got three choices. You can have three years of, of, of famine and pestilence. You can have three months to be destroyed by your enemies. Or he said, you can have three days of the judgment of God. Remember that? Those three choices. And David chose, he said, I'd rather fall into or under the judgment of God because at least God is merciful. And what David saw after he made that choice, he saw the angel of the Lord over the city with a sword. And that sword is a picture of the judgment of God. And friend, I want to remind us tonight that God is a holy God. Uh, God is a just God. 
And although it seems like a lot of people are getting away with a lot of stuff, they're not getting away with anything because the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. We see the judgment of God, the sword of judgment, and we see God's wrath being ready to be poured out. You know what's amazing is when David prayed, God said, I'm, I'm going to judge you those three days to be judged by the sword of the Lord. You know what's amazing? Once again, when David prayed, when David fell on his face, when David besought the Lord, God showed mercy. Aren't you thankful that although we sin, if we confess our sin, God said he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.